What is going on? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers, as always, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, a lot of TV people claiming to be a hurricane today. I don't understand. I am a hurricane. I am a hurricane. I am a hurricane. Oh, I, oh, okay. Ian, sorry. I was, I don't my glasses on. Um, Ian, Hurricane Ian is what they're saying. Uh, so that has uh, apparently the eye wall of the hurricane is now coming on shore down in Florida. And uh, obviously people who have not already left uh, under evacuation orders or requests, uh, they are, you know, obviously now having to weather the storm, no pun intended, but uh, actually uh, literally uh, weathering the storm. And uh, I'll give you some, uh, just some uh, basic information. I, uh, I mean, I could do, I mean, I guess I could do the whole thing like, uh, yeah, hang on a sec. I could do this. I'm standing outside in Florida right now. It's really, really hard. And the winds are blowing into my face right now. I, I mean, I could do that. Just pretend like a lot of the people that go down there. I, yeah. This is one of the things about television news that I've never really understood, except uh, uh, it's just an example of just raging narcissism. I don't need to see you. I don't need to see you in a storm, in the rain. I want to see the storm. I want to see the rain. Let me see what's behind you. But you're just standing in the way of the shot that, you know, ostensibly a professional photographer with a video camera has set up. Right now I'm looking at CNN and what is that? What is that? That's just... Okay, so like that's not even a good shot. All right, I take it back. Maybe not professionals. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just showing a picture like of shaky camera work looking out into a into the ocean. That's not that's not helpful. That's not a good video. See now this guy over here on this channel, what channel is that? Is that Fox over there on the right side? We got four TVs up here, right? So uh, we got the one on the right side. That guy, he's just standing somewhere, and it's obviously Florida. There are some palm trees around him. And uh, there's just a breeze blowing. And he's just like chill. He's just like, hey, yeah, hurricane's coming, whatever. That's all right. Um, I mean, for us, we're going to have obviously different uh, a different impact. We could. It's all speculative at this point. We don't know which path the, the storm is going to take. But you should be prepared. And I don't, look, everybody should always be prepared. This is one of the things I never understood uh, where the this uh, uh, where the, the term prepper kind of morphed into a slur of some kind or a, an, an epithet. Uh, you know, oh, you're making fun of people because they're prepared for an emergency. Oh, what an idiot. Why Why would that make that person an idiot? They're prepared for an emergency. That's the thing about an emergency, right? You don't know when they're going to hit. That's what makes it the emergency. So uh, actually the government uh, recommends that you have all sorts of supplies. In fact, you can get what I have in my uh, hands here. Um, this is from the Department of Homeland Security. Well, actually, FEMA. Yeah, U.S. Department of Homeland Security, the FEMA division, uh, and it's called Are You Ready? An In-Depth Guide to Citizen Preparedness. And it's, gosh, almost 200 pages here. And it is an in-depth guide to citizen preparedness. Well, I shouldn't say, not the whole thing. Like, the first chapter here is about the camps that they're going to send us to. So I just go right past that chapter 
and uh, that's <laughs> I go to the I go to the uh, I go to, like they got basic preparedness. They got natural hazards, and they give you information about you know floods and tornadoes and hurricanes, thunderstorms and light. Really, thunderstorms and lightning. Really, we got it. Come on, winter storms and extreme cold, extreme heat. Earthquakes, volcanoes, landslides, tsunamis, fires, and wildfires. Then there's technological ha- uh, hazards like nuclear power plants, hazardous materials, chemical emergencies. And then, you know, a section on terrorism and then recovering from disaster. They got water conservation tips. But here's the thing uh, Appendix B disaster supplies checklist. This is essential. Everybody should have. These things and like they actually give you a, a chart and they give you a check a, a checklist chart and and they give you all of the stuff like you know bandages, uh, sterile dressings, uh, triangular bandage. I mean, obviously some of this stuff. I think big bandage or big band aid maybe lobbied and got some of these things in here because really tongue depressor blades. Really, you need to keep that in your go bag. Come on, we yeah, yes, a cold pack makes sense. Antibacterial ointment, scissors, tweezers. But yeah, assorted sizes of safety pins. Okay, I get, well, I mean, Christy carries those just all the time for whatever. Sunscreen, CPR breathing barrier, first aid manual, all this stuff. And then they have a checklist of home, vehicle, work, right? I remember I I interviewed a couple that owned a store up in the mountains. This was like 10 years ago. And it was like a tea shop or something. And then they started selling these prepper buckets with food and all this stuff because one of them came from Lebanon when the Civil War broke out and the other one came from Norway. And that woman's mom talked about how when the, the war broke out, World War II broke out, and they had nothing. So, like, you never know how close the society is to collapse. And once it happens, there's nothing you can do at that point, which is why you want to have some stocks built up so there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of items here that you should have obviously the bandages and such aspirin anti-diarrheal medication people don't think about that but it kills a lot of folks especially after uh disasters you start drinking some of the bad water which by the way you should have some water supplies get you a life straw or something like that uh vitamins prescriptions extra set of eyeglasses if you wear them or contact lenses Washcloths, toothpaste, toothbrushes, shampoo, deodorant, razor, lip balm, basically like an overnight bag, be ready to go. Uh, You should also have a radio. Hello. I should have said that first. Radio. So, like, here's one thing. A whistle. Really? I'm I'm not going to. No, not going to have a whistle. Manual can opener. Cannot stress this enough. Have you a manual can opener? The electrical can opener is not going to do you any good with all your canned goods. If the power goes out, sugar, salt, pepper, liquid bleach, uh, all-purpose knife, books, toys for kids, card games, work gloves, paper, pens, pencils, needles, and thread, an alarm clock. I'm not going to try. No, I'm not getting an alarm clock. Personal ID, cash and coins, credit card, extra set of house keys, copies of your birth certificate, marriage certificate, right? all of these things. You can go to the website, get a list of all of these things, and put together your prep kit. So you you have a longer-term sort of prep kit for two weeks, three weeks. Because, you know, 
when disasters hit, you should not count on anybody saving you for like two weeks. You got to be able to live on your own, camp on your own, essentially for like two weeks. And God help us all if after two weeks, like it's still not fixed because then we're in some serious trouble. And have a go bag in case you need to uh, evacuate the area. Now, um, according to WBTV's chief meteorologist, Al Conklin, uh, the mountains and foothills could see flooding between uh, because terrain, uh, people forget, and you're in the mountains, it rains, and then the water runs down the mountain, and it picks up a lot of velocity very, very fast. That's how you end up getting entire valleys washed away uh, just in minutes. It, it happens that fast. The flash flooding happens that fast. Um, in Charlotte, you get urban flooding, obviously, in the city parts because of the uh, asphalt and such. Conklin said it collects in the storm basins, and typically when these get, uh, when we get these big events, rather, uh, we can get several inches of rain. We normally get urban flooding, and it doesn't take much. Uh, even if we haven't had any rain for like two and a half weeks, it doesn't take much to get flooding in the urban areas. Uh, the senior communications specialist for Charlotte Mecklenburg Stormwater Services, a guy by the name of John Wendell, he says... Uh, check out the storm drains in front of your house. I'll be doing this after I get home today because I've got two out in front of my house. And he asks us to clean them out because they got 100,000 storm drains just in the city of Charlotte and they cannot get to them all. So you want to clear the storm drain as best you can. Like I can't do much. Like ours is like full inside of it. I can't, I can clean away the top, but I'm not, I cannot dig down into the sewer system where it's obviously all uh, clogged up, but I can, I can try to clear away the top a little bit. So we'll see. But that's going to be the big problem for us is going to be the flash flooding and the urban flooding um, if we get a lot of this rain from the hurricane. We'll keep you posted. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So you want to be taking steps now to be ready for the bad weather if it comes and if, look, if it doesn't come, then you're already prepared for the next go-round. And you don't know what that might be, right? Could be an ice storm that comes through. That's actually the ice storm. Uh, I'm trying to remember what year that was where uh knocked out power for like two weeks. That was awful. And uh, then there was the blizzard. I want to say it was like in a, like April or something. And remember the, the paramedic, Tim Hayes, I think was his name, and he lost both his legs in that horrific car accident on I-77 where people, you know, driving too fast for conditions came around and slid into the crash site that they were working and severed both of his legs. I mean, there's, there are other emergencies that hit. Um, There was one ice storm. Remember it took out all of the gas pumps. Remember that one? Because all of the electronics froze. It was one of the things being in the mountains, you know, trying to explain the difference You know, people down here in the Piedmont, I would always, you know, uh, at least in the mountains, it's snow, right? For the most part, it's snow. Down here, it's like, oh, hey, look, snow. And then, oh, my gosh, what's happening? It's changing into something horrible, right? It turns into this this sleet and the freezing rain. And then it like, and you get like this little bit of it and it freezes on all the tree branches. And then those things become like a million pounds. And then they start knocking out the, the power poles and stuff, taking out the communication lines. And then you get the people like, oh, I'm from New York. I'm used to driving in the snow. Like, hey, idiot, this isn't snow. This is ice. Oh, I got four-wheel drive. Well, that just means all four of the tires are going to spin. That's it. It, Yeah. 
I know. I'm a little ahead of myself. I should save this rant for, you know, for the colder uh, season. But it makes sense to be prepared. It just does. And the storm surge the, the, in the days afterward, that's usually what gets North Carolina. I was here. In fact, it was actually the first, uh, the first on-air piece I did, I think, was on Hurricane Floyd. Because my sister and her fiancé lived down in Wilmington. And uh, Hurricane Floyd flooded literally half of the state. Remember all of the, uh, the video and the images of all the pigs? Just killed all the hogs down east and they were all floating in the, I mean, the whole half of the state. Right, half of the whole state. Half of the state was flooded, underwater. And they, my sister and her fiancé, they lost their apartment. They lost both of their vehicles and their jobs. All of it. They moved back up to New York after that because they didn't have anything left. And they've been there ever since. Um, he ended up going into the Coast Guard. He just retired. And he's younger than I am. I'm not bitter. All right. Uh, multiple rounds of heavy rain are possible Friday, uh, Friday into Sunday, which could cause localized flooding issues as two to six inches of rainfall will be possible. Gusty winds of 35 miles an hour or higher are possible as the remnants of Hurricane Ian is expected to move Closer to the Carolinas. The remnants is expected? No, the remnants are expected. Anyway, high temperatures will be in the upper 60s to lower 70s Friday through Sunday for the Piedmont, with weekend high temperatures around 60 degrees up in the mountains, making landfall by Wednesday evening uh, between Tampa and Fort Myers, Florida, near Sarasota as a major hurricane. The forward progress of Ian will slow after making landfall through the day Thursday and into early Friday. So while the weather is nice right now, right, go out and and do some things like you can uh, secure your property, right? Um, if you got trees or shrubs that have branches that are up against the house, stuff like that, you want to clear loose and clogged uh, rain gutters and downspouts. If you know you've got a problem with that, go ahead and do it today because you're gonna you're running out of time, you know, and you don't want a massive amount of water to take out all of your gutters. Um, do you have a boat? Like my producers, they got like six boats between them. It's a, yeah. So like you want to secure your boat. Um, you want to identify for the family where uh, like an interior room is that God forbid something happens that you would take shelter. Also close your windows. There's this, apparently there's this myth out there that, oh, if you leave your windows open, it creates something. If you have the right windows open, no, don't, don't leave the windows open. It's just, I don't know who came up with that idea. Terrible idea. The classic staged stand-up. Technically not a stand-up, I guess. More of a sit-down. In TV news history, in my opinion. Michelle Kosinski, formerly a reporter here in Charlotte, TV reporter. She then went, I think she worked for Channel 9, but I don't recall. Uh, but I know she worked in Charlotte. Then she got uh, uh, she got up to the bigs. And uh, she ended up being the, I don't know where she is now. She may actually be at Fox News, but I forget. 
because she was for a while she was uh, the morning reporter over at uh, the Today Show with that uh, Me Too perv uh, Matt Lauer and the classic classic live shot. She's doing the because you know as the morning reporter they send you out to these locations and you're like I'm here on the scene where something happened some time ago. And uh, me being here really brings it home. And uh, and so she was out on the scene of some flooding or something. And she's in a she's in a canoe. She's in a canoe, and she's got a mic in one hand, and or maybe not. But she got the she got the paddle. Right? She's got a paddle, and she's kind of like moving around a little bit. And and the first thing that strikes me is where's the photographer standing? Where's the photog? Because obviously somebody is shooting this video of her as she's in this canoe. So where, and they're pretty close to her. So did they find some place that has like a, uh, I don't know, like a, a platform sticking up above, like a roof or something up above the water level. But as she is sitting in this canoe delivering her live shot, two guys walk behind her. And the water is up to their ankles. And Matt Lauer busts out laughing and asks her whether they have just witnessed a miracle. The two men <laughs> just walked on water right behind her, which, of course, lays bare the lie that you are, you know, in this canoe for some other purpose besides the shot. And therein lies the, the, the problem with TV news, in my opinion. That's the problem with TV news. And this is all uh, consultant-driven. This is something that uh, TV stations bring in consultants. And uh, one of the jokes uh, was, I was told in the local uh, biz here, was that uh, whenever they would hire a consultant and they would bring the person in and the guy would look around and he'd say, oh, I see everybody is sitting behind the anchor desk. Okay, uh, well, we're going to improve your ratings. And so the first thing we're going to do is, well, the first thing they do is they fire the news director, right? And then the second thing they do is... um, they say, okay, everybody's sitting behind the desk. The anchors are. So first thing is, uh, everybody stand up. We're going to get rid of the desks. Now everybody stands. And so now everybody is standing, and they hire a new news director, and then the ratings don't uh, turn around, and the consultant's contract is over, or they let the consultant go because there is no ratings improvement. They bring in another consultant later, and that consultant comes in. First thing they do is fire the news director, and then the second thing they do is they say, oh, hey, everybody that's standing, all right, well, you know what? Uh, we're going to sit everybody down. All right, everybody sit down now. We're more relaxed. We don't need to be standing up. They always have some justification for it, right? There's always a reason that if you were standing, now you sit, and if you were sitting, now you stand. Stuff like that. One of the things the consultants told TV people was to interact with some object or something in the story, which is why for a while, this is uh, probably about 15 years ago, you still see some of it today. Now, I don't, I don't think it's as prevalent anymore, but there was this big push about 15 years ago to, to, to get props, right? Which is why, and there was one reporter locally, very nice guy, but he was like the master of this. Anytime there was like any sports story, whatever the sport was, he had the ball. If he was doing a story about the, you know, the, the arena, he had a basketball. I, I think he carried them in his vehicle, and so he would just like, Bust out the props. He had like a mitt and a baseball or a bat, and he would always have something there to work with, like a prop, like like carrot top, and uh, and and so he'd always work with a prop. 
That's because consultants tell you to interact with the uh, with the scene. Or they're like, oh, if you look behind me, you can. And then you like the reporter will like uh, kind of dip out of the shot and do the the sweeping of the hand. Look behind me, you'll see all this stuff. Hey, I got an idea. How about you just don't even get in the shot? How about you just stand off to the side and let and let the video tell the story? How about that? Picture's worth a thousand words. You got ninety seconds. You're not going to get a thousand words in. Trust me. I did. I did radio. F- for a very long time uh, as a reporter for about 10 years. And I even did a stint in TV news. You're not going to get a thousand words, right? So just give me the shots. Show me what I'm looking at. Show me what you want me to look at. There's a lot of these, uh, a lot of stuff is just contrived. And then of course you end up with the, the absurd contrivances, right? Where uh, you get the guy standing in what what looks to be uh, this terrible monsoon. And then like you, 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 pan out and you see, uh, oh no, he's standing under like a downspout of a gutter, like that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> or they got a fan blowing on it or like the snowstorm. Like they, they, they make up this stuff. They make it up. It, and, and is that something that conveys credibility? I had somebody tell me one time in the business, uh, they said they wanted me to, uh, not lock out my report. A lockout is when I say, you know, Pete Callender, News Talk 1110, WBT News. Don't lock it out. They want me to do the report and then tell the anchor what the last word is, my out cue, what my last word is in my, in my report, and then I say something like, back to you. And then their anchor would ask me a question. And then I would answer the question. And again, all this is scripted. I would answer the question, and then I would give the lockout. And so I asked this person, why would I, why would we do this? Because if the anchor is asking me a question, really only two things have occurred here, right? And none of them are good, which is either I haven't given all the information necessary to convey in my initial report that I left something out, that the anchor would have to ask me a question, right? Or the anchor isn't paying attention. And so the anchor's asking me a question that I've already answered, and that makes the anchor look bad. So either one of those options are, are bad. Of course, the third option is that it's just a contrivance. It's just made up. And that's exactly what it is. And so this person said the reason why we're doing this, we want to do this contrivance, is because it makes the story sound bigger. That's what he said. Make the story sound bigger. I said, so we know the story is one size, but we're going to try to tell people that the story is larger. So that's lying. Why would we do that? Why would we try to convince people that the story is bigger because it sounds bigger, right? Why would we try to, or let's do it this way. Why would we try to scare people, right? Why would we, why would we try to do that if we know that the risk is very low, right? You're not conveying credibility when you're hyping a story, when you're trying to make it sound larger than it actually is, and you know it's not that large, but you construct this interaction to make it seem like it's a larger story. That was his explanation, by the way, and I'm not buying it. I didn't find it to be, it wasn't believable. It's, it was just something that some consultant apparently said to do. That's it. They paid somebody to come in and construct this, this interaction, this, this fakery, and, well, I guess we paid them, so I guess we should do it. That's it. That's TV news. And it's also, I mean, it's all news. 
radio, print. They all have sort of various aspects of it. So, and, and to me, that's the problem. That's what drives a lack of trust and erodes credibility in media. Now, <clears throat> that being said, I have been accused of being a bit of a news Nazi. So <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would just do the news and just give you the facts. Boom, 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 boom. I'm Pete Callender. Bam, that's it. I'm out. You got like, you got bullet points. You got some info. That's it. But I've been accused of being a bit of a news Nazi. Ever seen the video for this song? The guy dancing. The guy, t- he stole all my moves. All right, uh, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Here's Tim. Welcome to the program. Hello, Tim. How are you? Good. I enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, 1979, after having gone to Carolina with uh, getting the MT, uh, MTV uh, RT, <laughs> RTT, whatever, uh, we... Uh, we were. I was at Channel uh, WFMY TV in uh, Greensboro. Yeah, and um, and that was my first job. And at that time, they told us not to shoot a picture of the reporter's face because that was not the story. I agree. And then, and then at the time that I was there, they brought in the consultants as you described, and then all of a sudden, everything was. You got to say live as much as you can because that means it's a big story, and we need to make sh- make sure people think everything's you know really terrible. And we got you know if it bleeds, it leads. You know all that. You know. All yeah, that. yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. If it's sex, it's next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, and, the uh, the rule that I uh, uh, I identified. I I, I said you know if, we're media. If you're not scared, we're not doing our jobs. And the right. uh, the the. Best example of this, uh, how, are you in Charlotte? Are you in the Charlotte area? You've been here for yeah. a while? I mean, yeah, Charlotte, yeah. All right, so do you remember the drought? We had like a drought for like two years, in a, just straight two years. This would have yeah. been like uh, 05, 06, 07 time frame, something like that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. And, and so we were told, right, oh, my God, we got no water, water restrictions, oh, the, you know, it's never going to rain again. And then, oh, my God, the lake is getting low. And, oh, my God, we're going to have a nuclear meltdown because the water intake pipes are getting <laughs> exposed, right? This oh, yeah. was like constant yeah. fear. And then the rain came. And we got rain. And then immediately we transitioned from, oh, my God, we're all going to die from the drought. And immediately it transitions into, oh, my God, West Nile virus and all the standing water, the mosquitoes are going to kill us all. Like it was overnight, it happened, and we got all these stories about West Nile virus. Well, I remember in the earlier drought before that, back when I was in the news, uh, the reporter wanted to go out and do a, a stand up in front of the water at uh, the what is it, Marshall Park downtown? Mm, yeah, 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 and, uh, yeah, he, the pond. And we're sitting there, and it was during the drought, and he's sitting there going, Look at here, the city of Charlotte's wasting water. Well, it just so happens that water is circulated right. from the pond up into the fountain and then back into the pond. Right. So. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. But just yeah, because they have a microphone it was doesn't. Crazy time. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, people, uh, they go, they, a lot of people get sent out to stories. And look, it's a very difficult job. I don't say this to undermine. Uh, the complexity and difficulty of the job. It is a difficult job to go out and get a different assignment every single day. You know this. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. But it also means that yeah. you're not an expert in the subject matter. 
You could, you can't right. be right because you're. I mean, yes, after you get sent to your you know one hundredth house fire, then okay, yes, you may be more of an expert in uh, covering a house fire. You still don't know how to fight the fire, but you are more. You, you know more about it, and that's one of the problems Charlotte I think had for a very long time, which was uh, because it wasn't a, a large TV market. A lot of people. Uh, that were very good would end up just moving through, right? And that's the case in in all cities. And now you, you're at a point I think where people, they if they want to, they can stay. They don't have to go to a bigger market because Charlotte is a big market now. Yeah, they call it an escape tape. You would stay somewhere about three <laughs> years, build up some tape, and then you'd send it off and you go to the next biggest uh, you know market. So an escape yeah, tape. It was a, a crazy time. I mean, it was very interesting. You did something different every day, right? But by after being in it ten years, I lost the the thrill went away. Yeah, no, and that happens. It, it does. That that happens. Uh, Tim, I appreciate the insight. Thanks for calling. Take care. All right, bud. Appreciate it. Um, no, I, that's why I eventually made the move out of the WBT newsroom into the hosting position. Because after, I mean, I my beat was city council, county commission, and school board, and uh, and and state politics, and they met you know less frequently. But after going through, you know, eight or nine budget cycles for the city and the county and the schools and the state, eventually it's just like I feel like I've done these stories over and over and over again. Kind of like the arena. I, I just kept doing the same story about the arena over and over and over again. And then I come back and here it is again. Never ends. <laughs> Uh, and so you, I, I wanted new challenges, and uh, that's what I liked about being the host here now is that I can, uh, I can talk to the audience in a way I couldn't as a reporter. But also, there are way more things. It's a far more target-rich environment to work in. 